Welcome back to Veritas. I'm Mel Hasselrich, my special guest from the Azores, island in Portugal, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And by the way, I never asked you, Patricia, I don't think I have, and if I did, I may have forgotten before we continue with our, our talk. Why did you choose to move to the Azores? Well, I moved here because I was channeling a book called Before We Leave You, Messages from the Great Whales and the Mighty Dolphin Beings. And I knew that I had to swim with them in the wild in order to really walk the talk and to meet them in their ter in their turf. And I thought, you know, the only problem with that is I'm terrified of sharks. So, uh, and so I was putting myself through all this torment because I thought, you know, my, my message to people is fearlessness. And I've got this ridiculous fear of sharks that I don't know where it's from, primordial fear, and it's going to prevent me. I so don't think so. So I decided to uh, find out where would be the best place to go to do that at that time. And the travel agent said there's only two places right now that I would suggest. One is Egypt, where it's kind of mild. They come in and every afternoon they're kind of used to humans. I said, I don't want that. And they said, then there's the Azores. But, you know, it's you got to really be a good. Are you a good swimmer? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> You've got to jump off a boat in the middle of the ocean. I said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So that's why I came here. And when I got here and I had this extraordinary experience facing my fear, jumping off a boat in the middle of the ocean, which was something that is not for everyone, and swimming with 250 dolphins for two hours without stop. So I fell in love with the place. I, when I flew over it, I realized, oh, my God, this is Atlantis. I just knew. And it's so interesting because I've had many lifetimes in Atlantis And I, my, a voice in my head said, from Atlantis, you began this journey, and to Atlantis, you have returned. And I said, that's it. And I, I, uh, I went home back to Rome, where I was living. And within a couple of weeks, I came back. I just was completely, utterly guided. My partner at the time said, I don't understand what you're doing. What do you mean you're going back there? I said, I don't know, honey, come with me. And he said, no, I don't want to go with you. I just want to understand what you're doing. Well, where are you, what's going on in your head? I said, I can't explain it. I came back. I scraped up all the money I could, and I bought this little house. And when the relationship was over, uh, five years later, I said, well, I guess to Atlantis I do return indeed. And I moved here permanently. When you put the pictures on social media, I look at those pictures. I grew up in an island in the Caribbean, so it's kind of nostalgic to me to see the views that you have around you, so peaceful. So with, with this whole COVID pandemic and the lockdowns, you know, you were kind of isolated a little bit from, from what we saw in, in the concrete jungle, if you will. Um, but what happens when the grid goes down in a place like that? That's a very good question. I'll start by saying, first of all, it's very strange being marooned on an island because I'm not getting on a plane. And I wasn't getting on a plane when it was required to have the V, and I'm not getting on one now. So for the moment, I'm marooned on a beautiful island. As far as the grid going down, I think it's a better place to be than others because you have community mindset because it's, it's not a heavily populated place. You have a lot of families here that have been here for, you know, centuries. And there's a there's a, a communal spirit, if you will. And I personally, I'm getting, I've got solar. I, I installed solar. And I don't know. I don't know what will happen. I don't know what will happen anywhere, to be honest with you. I mean, I'd much rather be in an isolated island than to be in the middle of Manhattan when the grid goes oh, down. No I, doubt. No doubt. Which Which of the islands are you living in? I live on an island called Fayal. Fayal, okay. Next to Pico. Oh, you know. Well, San Jorge, I, I, I've never been, but it's always caught my attention. And you mentioned the dolphins. So I have to ask you, cetaceans, do they rule the underworld or the oceans? <laughs> Not the underworld, for goodness sakes. Right, right. Yeah. I, I misspoke. Yeah. <laughs> the. It's always been my assertion that the whales are holding the ocean frequencies together through sound, through song, and that they relay music across the globe and that keeps the frequency. Remembering that, <clears throat> excuse me, water is emotion, the emotional body. And so the water of this planet is the emotional body of Gaia. 
And I, it's always been my assertion and information I've received from them that their job here is to hold the oceans in balance, the emotional balance of the planet together. And the, particularly the humpback whales have this immense relay system. Did you know they can send a sound a thousand miles away? I did not know that. Yeah, that's what I heard. And then that whale a thousand miles away will start repeating the sequence of sounds that they were singing and, and then send it out again and around the planet it goes over and over again. Very fascinating information. As far as the dolphins, they are just pure, unadulterated joy, freedom, when they are free, of course, and so intelligent. Sometimes I don't, I don't believe that the human race is the most intelligent species, to be honest. I think so. I mean, we know probably we are, but you know, now you look at the, for example, the dolphin has a double brain. They, they never really sleep. Well, they, they use half of their brain while they're sleeping to keep awake on the other half, right? But it's a fascinating subject, which, which would be a, a conversation on its own, to be honest. Huge. I've been looking into the research that we've had in the past, and I've been reading a book. You probably have heard this book by William Bramley, The Gods of Eden, and a lot of the pandemics that occurred in the past. And you probably have heard of this bells. Bells that used to be in churches and in buildings. A lot of those bells were removed, supposedly because they needed the the, the metals to be used for you know, the war machine, you know, to convert them into into guns and so on. But the reality was that apparently these bells were used to, like the whales, they used the sound in order to balance things out. So these bells around a lot of Europe and the old world and Russia were used to keep people healthy. In fact, there's, a, there's, there's some information that I found in the book where there was a, an archbishop somewhere in Europe that during a pandemic, they had all the churches ringing the bells 24 hours a day And the pandemic ended in a matter of three days. And shortly after, somebody discovered that and removed all the bells. And then, of course, you talk about the Solvagio frequencies. And you always talk about the 432 and A440, how it was changed. Do you think that they have changed all of this, including including our calendar? that used to be 28 days, 13 months. And they took a fucus out of the the zodiac. Maybe I'm just dropping too many things at the same time. Yeah, it's all about control and subverting the natural flow of time, events, energy, sound, vibration to throw living beings off their balance and more easily controlled. And the solfeggio frequencies we know were used by the ancient uh, monks to they were used in the churches that when they were chanting the Gregorian monks right. to um, heal, to bring people into joy and peace or whatever. So that had to go. I believe that the Rockefellers were involved in subverting uh, people or the music to go from 432 Hertz to 440 Hertz to, uh, I, I, I um, I'm sure the Vatican and the whole McGill of control, was involved in making that happen. But yeah, the, the bells most likely were 432 frequency, so they had to be removed because they were lifting humanity, and they don't want that. They want us enslaved. So, you know, if the, one of the best things you can do for yourself is listen to solfeggio daily, 528 hertz, 432, 417 hertz. Investigate it. I touch on it in the book, but there's a wealth of knowledge about solfeggio frequencies, and not that many people still uh, know about solfeggio. So it's a wonderful thing to investigate. And in my DNA, you know, I've been, I've been doing DNA healing with people for 25 years before it even became fashionable. And in I've got an online course on my website, and I have people going through meditation with solfeggio frequency, if people are interested. I do that every day, by the way. And it's how I start my morning routine, using solfeggio yeah. frequencies and also a machine that uh, it, it, it creates vibration. So it's almost like a, a high, but you don't need 
as a psychedelic uh, drug to to be able to to do this. And so frequencies are just incredible. If you haven't tried it, folks, just do it. If you have Spotify or one of those, just find them, especially if you have headphones, because a lot of them are binaural beats, and you That's can right. just separate your your uh, the hemispheres, your brain hemispheres. You know what I'm talking about. When you separate your brain hemispheres, it's almost like uh, you have an out-of-body experience. It is, and it's just so restful and and just listen, even if you don't have the headphones, but it's, of course, if you can sit down with 528 hertz with a headphone on for 20 minutes of your day, you're going to feel a difference in how you perceive reality and how, how you feel balanced in your life and in your world. Now, let and me clarify. The mere, the mere act of wanting to do that, let's not forget how right. intense Intention, determines yeah. So the mere desire to say, let me spend 20 minutes of my time doing that versus watching CNN already affects the outcome of what that will do for you. Let me clarify what I said about binaural beats. Of course, you need that with headphones because if you do it, you know, with your stereo, it's not going to work. But when you're listening to A432 or 528 or some of these sulfagia frequencies, which by the way, they are healing. You probably have heard of the Rife machine. Rife machine still being sold, but it's illegal to include the instruction manual. You know, remember, my father-in-law passed away many years ago. They bought a Rife machine, but they didn't know. This was before the internet, so they couldn't find the actual frequencies. But somebody wrote to me years ago who had throat cancer, and he did a lot of research as a retiree, and he found the frequency to get rid of that and all the others. And he said he was going to send me more information, but he disappeared from the map immediately after. And I totally believe, just like there are plants out there for every single condition known to man. There are sound frequencies for every condition. Just like you have a noise cancellation headphones, well, there might be a disease cancellation frequency. Absolutely. How diabolical is it for the government to make illegal the instructions to use that machine? That is the epitome of, of diabolique. I think it's more diabolical to also outlaw plants, plants. We've uh, just coming to, to mind, Dr. Betty Martini, a great researcher talking about, uh, you know, aspartame and MSG and all these things. Well, she, she got breast cancer on the 25th anniversary of her mother dying from breast cancer. And they said, well, we need to give you chemotherapy, radiation, you know, the whole thing, the trifecta of things that are probably going to kill her. And she decided, nope, I'm not going to do that. She found some herbs and some roots. She created her own thing. A month later, she went back to the doctor, and they said, oh, my goodness, you are in remission, because they can't say you are cured. How did you do it? And she said, well, I changed my diet. She didn't want to tell the truth. But they found out what she used. Immediately, the federal government went to the people she bought it from, discovered what roots and herbs, and they burned them, and they outlawed them. So if God gave us all these roots and all these plants to do all these things, why don't people understand that outlawing them is, that, as you said, the epitome of diabolical? Because they believe the narrative. The doctor knows what to do with his white coat, and you have to obey him. And anything else is quackery. That's why. They're all in it together. Big pharma, the medical, I mean, not all the doctors, because you know, there are a lot of doctors still dedicated to humanity. We've got doctors that are risking their lives, losing their lives, losing their practice, et cetera, yeah. to reveal the V agenda. So I'm not speaking out against all doctors, but clearly the medical profession is at best questionable. But, you know, you take you go to the doctor he just looks at you and he asks you what's wrong, takes a few notes, puts it in the computer, and then starts writing the, the, the um, prescription. You're going, oh, Doc, <laughs> you want to take my pulse? No, 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 no. No need. Take this, take this, take this, take this. And people take it. They're whores. They're, pharma, they're big pharma whores. Not the people, the doctors. And, you know, when you question them, which I do, of course, I rarely go to the doctor because it's too aggravating. And because fortunately, I'm a pretty healthy girl. But um, I, a, a couple of years ago, I had to go to the doctor because I had uh, pains in my lungs and having had pneumonia twice in my life, 
I didn't want to mess around with it. So go to the doctor and she doesn't find anything on the x-ray, but she says, I'm going to, I want you to do, to take, she starts listing the flu vaccine, the inflammatory, the, this, the, that I go, doc, doc, I don't take injections. She said, but you need it. Oh, the anti-pneumonia injection. The, I said, who said I need it? You said there's, there's nothing there. She said, well, it's prevention. I said, I don't want it. I don't take injections. She said, how old are you? And I told her, she said, you have every more reason to ha- to need it. I-, I want you to go do this and do this and this list of medications. And I walked out with the, re- you know, the prescription. Thanks a lot, doc. And never went back. But most people will go directly to the pharmacy and get the prescriptions and take them. And so giving yourself over to the medical profession is all part of what we're talking about today, isn't it? It's all part of the programming of the human mind to believe, to obey, to believe that it's powerless and that it's not a sovereign being, that we aren't sovereign. And I am. I refuse to get on my knees to the system. And, you know, somebody said to me, what if they force you? I said, they're going to have to put a bullet in my brain. And if that happens, well, that's my destiny. But uh, I will not bow down to this ever. I've been discussing all of this for since. Same way. Yeah, yeah. And I've been discussing this. We had uh, something called Corona Chronicles when the whole pandemic started. And every week I used to put a video out there explaining to people what we needed to do. And I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but if you go back to those videos, everything that's coming out now that I was looked upon as a conspiracy theorist, every single thing that was discussed is coming out to light now. And people are saying, well, uh, I guess these people were right after all. Here's the bottom line. No one in the world has ever taken just a pure isolated quote unquote virus particle with nothing else added and introduced it into a living organism via a natural mode of entry as the mouth or the nose and cause the disease that virus is supposed to cause. And my family and I got COVID-19, if it's the flu or whatever it was, but we got it. We haven't gotten sick once since that happened in the summer of 2020. But my theory is that this so-called virus came from the people who got the flu vaccine in the winter of 2019-2020. They weaponized those people, and they became the vectors. They were the ones who shed all this stuff around the world. That's just my speculation. But let me go back so we don't forget what I mentioned before we took the break, the, the prohibition of certain human-animal chimeras and the legislation that stopped in the U.S. Senate. What is your take on this, that the United States, and I bet you many other countries, I know Saudi Arabia is involved in human cloning. What's your take on this human-animal chimera that is allowed in the United States, and what do you think the implications in the future might be? Well, first of all, they're doing it everywhere, and that people are still thinking it's a conspiracy theory is utterly ridiculous. The legislature's there. They're making pig hearts in laboratories. They're now putting these hearts into human beings. Uh, They're dying, of course. They're using. They're, they're they're claiming that they want to create spare parts because pig bodies are uh, com- similar to us. Yeah, similar to us in certain ways, and that's chimera for starters. Of course, you don't really think some nut job uh, geneticist in a laboratory with the freedom to start mixing up DNA isn't just playing like crazy. Of course, they are. They're mixing and doing, and they have the tools to splice whatever they want together. So you can be sure that there are animal chimeras. I've seen some pictures, I don't know if I can trust them because I don't trust anything I see, Mm. of uh, all kinds of horrific experiments of animal, humans, all kinds of horrific stuff that I I, I actually prefer not to see. It upsets me too much. But what's also very interesting uh, is that There was a court case, a Supreme Court case, about the fact that if a laboratory has your DNA, and of course everybody's giving their DNA to the laboratories with the excuse of the DNA ancestry experiment where you get to find out what your nationality is. Patented. Exactly. So they you're giving away your DNA and no, and you're also paying them to do this. 
You're paying them to take your DNA and do whatever they want with it. So I always tell people, do you really want to think that your DNA is being merged with, you know, a lizard DNA or something like that? Number one. But the question came up, if they're manipulating that DNA in a laboratory, who owns it? Are they claiming to own it? And the and this was taken to the Supreme Court. And the question, the unclear question answer was, well, they can't own your DNA, but if they make an altered DNA sequence out of your DNA in the lab, actually they do own that. And talk about a can of worms. Are they going to start owning us right down to the DNA? This is something I bring up in the book, and I think we need to pay extreme attention to because everything is DNA right now. That's what is, what's going on. Well, when you have natural or organic beings, whether it's a fruit, vegetable, humans, this is why, you know, when people buy supplements and they get better health-wise, and it's a fraction of what medication that is synthetic petroleum-based cancer-causing agents and our bodies are designed to reject all foreign antigens. So when the big pharma c comes and buys a supplement company, they, what do they do immediately? They change something in the, in the concoction, in the ingredients to make it, what, different? And that's when they can patent it. Same thing happens if what we're seeing right now in the past two, three years with the genetic mutation or the gene therapy that is being administered to billions of people around the world, if that's the case and their DNA has been altered, I don't see any difference between that and what Bill Gates used to do before in Monsanto, you know, dropping seeds into a farmer's uh, farm. And then all of a sudden the farmer, the, this farmer unbeknownst to that person starts seeing new things growing and then Monsanto comes along and says, wait a minute, you have our crop right there. You owe us royalties. We own the patent to that. How different is that from somebody who's been genetically modified, a human being? That's exactly. And in fact, they're calling it GMH, genetically modified humans. I'm, I'd like to read a, a short passage from the book about this subject, which says, in other words, if a genome extracted from Patricia Corey is utilized in the lab, to make a modified version of that same genome, then they actually own the fundamental genetic information from my DNA. To unwrap the medical and legal terminology in that statement, we need to concentrate on the glaring question that remains unanswered after the Supreme Court's ruling. The court ruled that DNA altered in a laboratory is eligible to be patented. And no one that questions is, that. No one questions that. They think... I don't believe it. Even if you show me that it's, it has the stamp of the United States, they still don't believe it. But, you know, speaking of gene therapy, in my opinion, that's the future of medicine. It's a double-edged sword because you could use gene therapy to improve certain conditions. But do we really think? I mean, if you talk to a, a wealthy oncologist who has a yacht and a beach house, and you say, by the way, next year, the cure for cancer is coming. Do you think that person will receive your news with happiness or they'll say, oh, I'm done? But let me, let me just mention this. The future of medicine is gene therapy. And it seems to me that they simply want to turn off our God-given immune system, which can heal us. And I've said, said this for years, Patricia, the immune system is Big Pharma's nemesis. That's why they want to hijack it. It makes making it a subscription-based model whenever you know we're sick because our immune system has been turned off. What do we do? We have to go get a med medicine. In fact, I'd be willing to say the immune system may be erased from future books. And, and when someone says, I've heard my grandparents say that they didn't need this or that medication in the past, the body would heal itself. It will be the new conspiracy theory of the future. Like we talk about our third eye or the pineal gland and people say, well, that seems new agey, but that may have been the way of the past. And as you say, they want us unwell from the cradle to the grave so that we will continue to ingest their pharmaceuticals and be weak, unhealthy, and dependent. And that's the word, dependent. And that's why they're going after the children in such a big way, because first of all, they want to alter. They actually, uh, we, we're now hearing that they're turning off the reproduction systems in children and that 
we may see the end of a whole generation, that the children are sick from the get-go. I mean, they've got now, they're, put, they're putting um, antidepressants, really strong antidepressants. They're giving babies at two years old. What parent, the question I have to ask is, what parent would yield her baby, his baby, to a sentence from the doctor that says your baby is depressed and you need to give him Prozac? They have Prozac for babies now. And it's like, you know, I've never had the blessing of having a child, but if I did, I would take my baby to the mountaintop and escape whoever decided what I was supposed to do to take care of this child. Needless to say, you do need a doctor now and then, but by and large, as far as, first of all, emotional balance, you know, your parentage is to guide a, a baby, a child, into life, learn how to deal with life, not to start plying it with antidepressants because it cries. That's what babies do. They cry, right? They cry when their diaper's wet. They cry when they're hungry. And they cry when they're not loved enough. They cry whatever when they're scared. And your role as a parent is to make them feel secure, not douse them with antidepressants. It's just horrifying that this is taking place on this planet. And now they're giving injections to five-year-olds with always understanding that the the so-called V had 99.7% recovery rates and even higher in children, right? I'm not talking about the V, I'm talking about the virus. That these, these children that basically are only getting sick because of the V are now getting the boosters, the first, the second, third. And with each one, apparently, according to some of the doctors, you lose 25% of your immune system with each one, with each V. By the way, you can do your gloves off. You can say vaccine and injections and virus because this is a protected portion of our program. Okay, that's good. So, yeah, when, when you talk about the vaccine and the boosters and the whole bit, the doctors are saying that in the no doctors like uh, Sherry Tenpenny and Peter McCullough, who, by the way, is going to be strict, stripped of his medical degree License. Yep. because of his position, they say that each injection is a 25% loss of immune system. So that's why people are exploding in cancer. I have a personal friend who died. of He was in, in remission. He got the shot. He was in remission for seven years, got the shot. Two weeks later, died of cancer. And the doctors are saying it's a, it's a cancer we've never seen before. Of course not, because there's no immune system to fight it. So it's just ra- raging in people. That and the fact that they're also saying that there's some AIDS in those little needles. I mean, you know, my bottom line message to people is your body is your temple. Don't roll up your sleeve and let someone who isn't even a medical professional half the time inject something you have no idea of what it is, blindly rolling up and saying, sure, go ahead, do me, do me, do me. I want it. I want it. I want to be safe. Make me feel safe. Protect me. <laughs> it's insanity. I don't get it, Patricia. I look people around me and they, some of them still have the face diaper around and you're talking about babies. What happened to those babies that, uh, by the way, crying is their language. That is the language that they have to communicate with the mother. And also, they look at cues, they look at face expressions from the mother and and the father. And if you are having that face mask or children at school looking at the teachers with the mask on, the socially and the mental development that has been stopped and stunted is going to be somewhat permanent. All these children, I mean, look at all these psychologists that are reporting. I have never seen so much delayed uh, skills from children these days because, and they're attributing to to this. But Gwen Olson, Gwen Olson is a guest of this program. Uh, we interviewed her a few times, but the first time almost 15 years ago, she wrote the book Confessions of an RX Drug Pusher. And she told me then that her own manager told her, Gwen, the goal is to have every human being alive from cradle to grave in at least two prescription medications for life. In fact, we want to have uh, children, the age of two, if they're crying too much or they're wetting their beds. And I was one of them. They would have prescribed me Prozac or any antidepressant to a child. And imagine what that's going to do to the child. 
Is this what we're causing so much, you know, school shootings and, and, and the rage and all that? Absolutely. Well, that and the fact that a lot of them are being programmed. Through oh, MK songs. Ultra, sure. But, you know, I mean, when you don't learn how to lose, you don't learn, you know, for example, even the mind control of this new uh, approach to education where in sports there's no winner, everybody's a winner, everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. I mean, I remember somebody telling me he knew a friend who had a trophy shop and he said, I'm, I'm making hand over fist here because <laughs> right. I never made so many trophies in my life. And it's just like, that's cute. You get a trophy just for showing up. But there is training, there's emotional preparation for winning and losing that comes in these old systems. You learn how to lose. It hurts. So what? You build your fiber that way, and hopefully you strive to be better, so maybe next time you will win. No, now that's too bad. That's too emotional. It's, it's too painful for a child to lose. So what if he, you know, he did the, the race in seven hours and ten minutes? He still gets a trophy because he showed up. That is mind control, and it's social control, and it's uh, very damaging to the future generations learning how to interact, how to confront themselves, much less society. And when you're numbing a baby, I, I just can't even stand the thought of a two-year-old getting Prozac. I just can't believe that anyone allow that to happen. But plenty of mothers and fathers are doing it. And poor child, because you're, you're basically cutting off emotional response, numbness. You grow up with it because once they start you on it, they keep you on it and you become numb. And that's when you get those glazed faces. I'm not suggesting that they're all the, sh the, the shooters and the violent kids, but what happens when they stop their drug? And reality comes screeching into their psyches. It is horrific. I just can't, I don't take meds, period. Well, speaking of cutting off, cutting off, what about these new laws that are allowing children to say, I want to transition? And if the parents disagree, the parents go to jail. I mean, look in California, uh, the, the, the new law that's coming out. If anyone, any doctor disagrees with the official narrative, they immediately lose their license. And look, I can see how people are afraid of that. They're not only allowing it, they're pushing it. They're pushing it. They're pushing it. it. Exactly. It is huge money. Now the hospitals have old floors for, trans, for transgender. You know, uh, if anyone is listening who is a transgender, please understand, I'm not critical of anyone's life choice. I don't understand it. But it's not my position to judge it. But for God's sakes, leave the children alone. Let children have an experience of the innocence that comes with growing up. And if later on, no, there's no later on. It's pushed down their throats from prepubescent ages. And they're too confused to stand up for themselves. And the schools are pushing it, the doctors are pushing it, and a lot of the parents are pushing it. And that is a, a, sim, a symbol to me that there's a grave meltdown in, in the very least morality and ethics in our societies. And that's part of growing up. Children are confused. Children become sad. The change of hormones, puberty, all those things. And for somebody to say, oh, you're feeling all these things— let me just recommend that you go to the doctor and just cut them off. Cut the chest off or down there off. And guess what? So many of them, and I, I have compassion for them. They're coming out now saying, I regret having done it. I was pushed. I was coerced. And I should have just waited until I was an adult. And guess what? By then, you would have realized I was just, you know, it was growing up. It was confusion. And all these kids, I just can't believe that the gaslighting that's taking place, especially sudden adult death syndrome. You're following that, right? All these people that are falling like flies and the doctors say the same thing. Unknown cause. We don't know what it is. Do you have to be a rocket scientist or a medical doctor to determine that from 2021 till now or before that, actually, we never saw children with heart conditions, maybe a fraction, and now... It's one out of every, I don't know how many. Very discouraging. It's, it's demoralizing and it's mind-boggling that we are in this position that 
still people are seeing these people go down and still dismissing it as sudden death syndrome. And as what I tell people is death is not a syndrome. Death is death. And the reason why they're dying probably is because of the jab. Um, because the, what is it? 700% increase in, in England in sudden death. The, the numbers are incredible. The, Information, the the techno, uh, the um, research is available. We've all seen, many of us have seen the stringy white growth that's being pulled out of people's veins. How about that? I'm sure you've seen it. Oh, I have. And that's clogging up the body system, and that is growing inside of people. And the the uh, Mahoney, I think his name is Mahoney or Maloney. The um, funeral director who's had the courage to bring those things out. Oh, Looney. He said they grow. Maloney. Oh, 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 Looney. Oh, Looney. The, 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 I know. I've talked to him. Oh, I'm so apologetic for mispronouncing his name. That's okay. You know, what a hero he is. You know, he, he actually said, he was interviewed and, and uh, he, the interviewer said, aren't you, you must be, you're very courageous. You must be concerned about what you bring forward. And he said, I look death in the light in the, in the eye every day. I'm not afraid of death. When I go, I'll go a free man. I was so impressed, right? But anyway, he's collecting this crap, and he and it's growing once it's out of the body. What about that? It's growing in the vial. They're not block clots. That's what they're saying. And by the way, if you want to laugh, if you go to Google and you type John Aluni, take a look at the the amount of negativity that comes from, of course, they have to completely change the narrative and say that he's full of it and his claims are not true. But he shows you, he shows you video of these. I don't even know what they are. They're definitely not blood clots, but they're growing. It's almost like a, an organism is growing inside. And let me, you talk about this in the book, Lucifer, Luciferess. Do you think that this hydrogel or whatever it is, whatever it is patented, and, and we've seen the, the patent number by Bill Gates, do you think that's what growing inside of people? I mean, essentially, they're turning into some something else. So Luciferase or Luciferin, which is, of course, you know, you've got to see the irony of that name, is actually, supposedly at least, the fluorescent uh, genetic material that they're taking out of insects, uh, like uh, fireflies or whatever, and mm -hmm. utilizing, injecting into the whole DNA alteration or whatever the hell they're doing to identify, to be able to identify certain cellular activity. And they now we're finding out that this information, this illuminated fl fluorescent data inside the DNA, inside the cells, can actually be scanned by a cell phone with the right software. So I don't believe that that is what this organism is. I think they, this organism is also being injected in the mRNA injection, and that it, it's it's in the hydrogel, and that it is an alien, possibly semi-synthetic alien organism that we don't have. It doesn't, when they test it, it doesn't have human DNA in it. It doesn't have certain proteins in it. They can't identify what it is. So when I say alien, it could be alien like alien ET, or it could be just alien to the biosystem that we understand as the human uh, genetic information. Although they're saying that it's, it's, it's unrecognizable as a biological life form. So that's pretty scary. If that's a synthetic life form that grows inside and outside of the body, holy shitsky, right? But it's very clear that that is what's clogging up the arteries because Oluni, Oluni, is that the right name? Yes, John Oluni. Okay. So he's pulling these these rubbery strands out of these veins, and of course they're getting heart attacks. Nothing can move through the veins and arteries. They're clogged up with these organisms when it's not blood clots per per se. But these organisms, they're finding them more and more. So. I believe that they're putting them in and that they're semi-synthetic and that they're 
growing inside the human organism. Then there's the question of why the vaccine had to be frozen, almost frozen on, on, on uh, I don't remember the temperature that it had to maintain. And then once they, they reduced the, te- or they, they heated it up with the temperature of the human body, things started growing. That's why they had to keep it so, so cold. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And look at all the funeral directors too, who are ordering an unprecedented amount of small caskets. People don't ask questions. And I've seen this from multiple funeral home directors who, who say this. I've never seen so many orders for small caskets. Why? Because children are dying. And take a look. Walk by, folks, if you have cemeteries close to your area. Take a look. Take a, take a, a walk by your cemeteries and take a look to see if you see a lot of fresh graves. That's something that I'm getting a lot from people, especially in the UK. Have you heard that too? I also know someone who works for a funeral service, and he said that he went into the hospital and saw all these these dead babies. I hate to even repeat this. Just newborns in these uh, in the uh, obituary, not obituary. What do you call the the part of the hospital that has the dead bodies? I can't think of the word. Well, the hospital morgue. The more, thank you. He saw baby after baby after baby. He said he almost had to run out of the place. So, you know, I don't want to get too morbid here because I know it's a turnoff for people. But I, I think what what's important for people that are listening right now is to understand that this <clears throat> campaign to vaccinate everyone is causing untold death, untold maiming physical illnesses, and, and just horror, and that this is not a conspiracy theory. It's proven. Pfizer's document alone, which they didn't want to let out for 97 years, and now it's it's proving. It's showing us all of this, all things that can happen from these vaxes. So we've got a real crisis on our hand. And if you have had the vax, don't take any more. Please don't take any more, because in the end. You know that the, it doesn't. It didn't do what it said it, it did. Even Rachel Wolanski admitted that it. Well, it didn't really. We didn't know at the time, but it really doesn't stop. Yeah, you think? Of course, it doesn't stop because it's not a vaccine. It's a bioweapon. And even and the so, European uh, Union, the European Union, they had a, an executive from Pfizer, and she said when they asked her, "Did you know? Did you have research stating that?" When the vaccine, well, quote unquote vaccine was introduced, that it was not, it was going to stop transmission. And she said, no, we did not know. We did not know at all. So then why the push for it? So obviously there's a hidden agenda here. So the question I have is, if birth rates around the world, mostly most countries, except for say, you know, China and India, the rest of the world, including the United States, Asia, Korea, Korea, Europe, birth rate is low, so low that the replacement rate is over. So they add this to the equation. What's going to happen in the next 20, 30 years? I mean, right now the baby boomers are retiring and the young people are the ones that are going to be supporting them. I remember in South Africa when it has it had the largest rate for AIDS, that the, it was an incredible you know percentage. And the people were saying, what are we going to do? The new society is going to have to support all these people that are no longer going to be productive. So what's going to happen in the future when you add also the rate of autism? Dr. Stephanie Seneff told me by the year 2030, we might be seeing one in two people with autism, which means that either I take care of you, Patricia, or you take care of me. Well, you know, don't take injections. We didn't have autism back when I was a child. We didn't have any injections, one or two in my whole childhood. There was no autism, right? Right. And so my message to people is, <laughs> no, I'm going to get kicked back from this because they've managed to market the idea that being an anti-vaxxer means you're next to the ultimate terrorist. But I personally ask parents and people to question why you need 78 vaccines for your child. Are you kidding me? The body, human body is designed to prosper, to grow. It has an incredible system that sloughs off 
cells, births new ones, attacks an invasion. It knows what to do, but with all the crap that they're putting into us, the body's not knowing what to do anymore. It's like we have other messengers telling the body, no, no. For example, the mRNA uh, new medicine is, they're telling us, the medicine is mRNA, get used to it. Vaccines are the medicine of the future, not for this girl. And this thing goes into your body and says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. We Forget it. You do it as we say. It's kind of like obedience training at the cellular level, right? Forget what you think you're supposed to do. They tell our DNA when to produce proteins, what kind, how quickly, et cetera. No, no, no. Here, here it is. Here are new orders at the cellular level. That's what they're putting in. Your new orders, mRNA, the messenger of the creator God that created that DNA, super uh, synthetic DNA or whatever the hell is in that needle. Telling your body, your DNA, nope, you don't know how to do it. We do. So you do it this way. And then changing the DNA within us. I so don't think so. Not for this girl. And I implore people to think about it instead of being locked into the idea that it's good for you and it's protecting you. Well, it's not protecting you because we know that there are greater numbers of people that have been vaxxed that are in the hospitals than the ones that weren't. In fact, everybody I know, everybody I know who has been vaxxed has had COVID. And I, who have never been vaxxed, haven't had a sick day ever since. So I just implore people, think carefully. You know, your life is in your hands and you are a creature of divine light. Don't let them take that away from you. And by the way, in my household, we got it. Not, not the V, but we got the original, whatever it was, COVID or the flu or whatever it was. We have never gotten sick ever since. And everybody in our circle who has gotten the, the shot has gotten sick multiple times. They're always sniffling and coughing and this and that, missing work, blah, blah, blah. All of them, no exceptions. They're always sick because their immune systems are damaged. Exactly. And by the way... Making them sick. Yes. And by the way, folks, if you are on Telegram, there's a, a great resource. It's La Quinta Columna. It's from Spain, but they, they translate on the videos. And he came up with a, a video recently where he's apparently there's some analysis done that our body is actually getting rid of the graphene oxide and some of the bad things that the, the shot has. And this is why they're pushing the boosters every three months because they know. It's, it's, if people get rid of it, they want to make it perpetual. And every three, four months, they're going to do it again, stronger and stronger and stronger until the point that you cease to exist. That's just the, the point, what it is. Now, we've been discussing, Patricia, transhumanism and singularity for a long time. And it seems we're marching really fast to that goal. Do you think the last two years were a gene-altering experiment towards that, towards transhumanism? Absolutely. They're telling us as much. Again, this is not conspiracy theory. When your spokesman for the WEF says we have the technology and we want to make a better version of human 1.0, we call it human 2.0. You will be connecting to the AI. You will be reporting. Your body will report to AI whatever your medical needs are. I mean, they're telling us without any hesitation what they've got planned. And it's not a conspiracy theory. The question is, will you allow it or not? So, for example, they're openly talking about how they're going to be using um, the chips so that we get monitoring for the health because health care is too expensive, whatever. But no problem, because you'll be wearing chips internally or on your body that monitor your heartbeat, monitor this, monitor that. Pills that go inside your system and, and analyze your digestive tract, whatever, with cameras. It's it's this is it's the now of, of the technology. And what worries me is people have got their faces so embedded in their cell phones that they don't realize that they're being directed directly into this new step. So people are starting to get impl implanted chips because it's very cool and they can wave their arm over the Coke machine and not have to pay for their Cokes. This is happening. 
my warning to people is get your face out of your cell phone. It's trying to manipulate you. Get away, away from those controls. Recognize that they're not your tools. These things are tools of the one world order. Like, I don't have a cell phone in my house most of the time. I have a metal box outside. It stays outside. It just fries people when they come to my house. They're not allowed to bring their cell phone inside. They're like, what's your problem? I go, I don't have a problem. You're my guest. And if you're not comfortable leaving your cell phone outside, you've got a problem. (laughs) But uh, I do my best. I do my very best. Obviously, I use technology. I'm on it right now. And I keep it in check. But as far as uh, bowing down to AI and Siri and Alexa and all of these, even I don't even have uh, automatic guidance in the car. My my point is, if I don't know how to get there by reading the signs on the streets and paying attention, then I'm I'm not using my brain. I want my brain to decide, not a computer. And that's the question: is like, how much are you going to yield of your mind? Before you lose your mind, wakey, wakey time is here. And this is the part where people, you need to wake up. And again, this is not being a Debbie Downer or anything like that. It's just the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, but it's like an arrow. You need to be able to, uh, Neuralink, digital currency. I mean, all these children, I, I you know, I, I talk to, to, to young kids all the time and they love their technology. And I ask them all the time, what if, Somebody came to you and said, instead of having a cell, by the way, in our time, phones were attached to the wall. Now that the phones are attached to, to us, like a limb. But I ask them, if somebody gave you the choice to implant something, say, behind your ear or somewhere in your head, a little tiny chip, and you no longer needed a phone. And when you had a question, when you have a question, immediately in your mind, you'll see the answer via Google. And you'll have, you know, all these information. You'll be able to listen to music, watch stuff in your eyes. And they'll say, I can't wait for that day to happen. And they don't understand the digital currency and smart cities and the Sesame Credit score. All this stuff is slowly progressing into what's happening. And this election that we had here, in my opinion, it was a bridge towards that. I say probably in the next five to seven years, we're going to see the materializing of all these technologies and the 5G being, or 6G or 7G being turned on. In fact, I've had people, more than one, telling me, Patricia, they go to the grocery store. All of a sudden, they get their phone saying, you have a new Bluetooth, you know, item. Do you want to add it? And it's a bunch of serial numbers. And he walks around and sees a lot of people, you know, with Band-Aids on their arm. And he suspected, what if all these people that are gotten, have gotten vaccinated are emitting a certain signature and the phones are catching. Have you heard that? Yeah, it's called the MAC. The MAC address, it's a, it's, exactly. The MAC. Yeah, and apparently they're they're even finding that in in cemeteries, the bodies that are buried are still emitting. Oh wow! The MAC so, you know, I I I know that we're winding up here, and I just don't want to leave on a on a scary note or a negative note because we've talked about some pretty heavy stuff here, and I just want people to just think, okay. This is some heavy stuff, but I am in charge of my life and I'm going to go out and I'm going to read up on things that I don't believe that have been said tonight or that I thought about, but still don't have enough information about. I'm going to open my mind instead of being dug into a position and I'm going to investigate because there are researchers, doctors, scientists, heavy duty people, inventors who are putting out information, risking their lives to help humanity. So the least we can do is pay attention. And that's why I wrote the book. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor, but I I do have a lot of knowledge and I research and I want to help. So that's why I'm doing this work. That's why you're doing this work to help humankind, to help in the wake up. And if you've already been jabbed, just remember, uh, there are solutions being developed, being uh, investigated. And one very important thing to do is do metal detox, heavy metal detox. Start on a protocol right away, especially if you've been uh, vaxxed, and start dumping those 
medals and who knows, because they've also put medals in you uh, in the in the vaccines. But hopefully that will also pull out some of the graphene. Yeah, metal charts and, and what seems to be like a glass, a broken glass. Uh, I wanted to leave this till the end. Of Obviously, we discussed the primary sources of disruption, as you mentioned. And again, I'm not telling people, if you need to watch Netflix or whatever, it's up to you. And some people with work, you have to use your cell phone. I get it. And computers. And some people use gaming. But you use it in moderation. Don't don't be an extreme where your life becomes that. A meta-universe, a metaverse, escapism. Don't use it for that. Use it for your own benefit. But at the end of the show, obviously, we want to end on a positive note. Uh, note. How do we reclaim our mind? And how do we clear the pathways, Patricia? Well, in... in in, in the reference to what you just said, I'd like to say, use it. Don't let it use you. Correct. Great rule of thumb with regard to gaming and whatever you're doing. Don't become addicted to the point where it rules your life, number one. And as far as clearing the pathways, get into nature. Spend time in nature. Take a walk and leave your cell phone behind and just feel what it feels the pain. A lot of people feel pain. It's like, I can't go out without my cell phone. What if it's just an emergency? I can't even, they're walking down the street with it in their face. It's like, let it go for a minute, go for a walk without it and recognize how you feel separated from this technology. And maybe ask yourself, wow, I've really got a problem. I feel insecure to take a five minute walk away from my cell phone. And it's this kind of test. I like to call it testing yourself. Testing without the television, testing without the cell phone, and above all, standing in your truth, no matter what people think of you. I mean, Mel and I are just two people of many who are risking our reputations, risking condemnation, criticism, whatever, to buck the system, to stand up against the narrative. And I think that deserves at least a listen and you are listening or you wouldn't be here, but uh, go further, test your own metal. Have the strength to say, you know, I heard something the other day and wow, it made sense to me. Even if people are gonna say you're crazy because they're probably hooked up to inter- the uh, technology and possibly uh, injected and they may not be thinking clearly and maybe you can make a difference. So it's not just for yourself, we need to help each other here. We need to make a difference and make a crack in this iron-clad narrative that is mutating society and changing our lives, our biology. And ground yourselves. Grounding is such an important aspect, especially right now, with all these electromagnetic frequencies that are out there that are designed to create inflammation. But if you ground, that's over. And by the way, use discernment, folks. You were born with discernment, but society told you otherwise. And the only, by the way, the only two things that create fear when you're born are heights and loud noises. The rest of it is fear. It's it's a it's a false evidence. What is it that they say? False evidence. Uh, I forgot. Uh, appearing, uh, whatever. Real. Uh, false appear- appearing real. Exactly. Exactly. And Prince, the artist, said this in in 1999. He said, "Quote: Don't be fooled by the internet." Use the computer. Don't let the computer use you. Y'all saw the matrix. Famous words by Prince, who was very, very awake, by the way. Patricia, once again, how can people learn more about your work, about your book, and your all the, all your other books? There, I'm, I'm reissuing them all. I've got something five republished already. So the classic Syrian Revelation books are available, and two others. And of course, Hacking the God Code. It's just out. You need to order it now if you want to give it away, give it as a Christmas gift because it takes time to get it because it's a print on demand. And you can get it, the books on all of the online bookstores. And like I said, if you go into a bookstore and order it, they'll, they, they will order it for you. So please do, please read Hacking the God Code. It's going to make a difference, I believe, in your life. And my website is Patricia Corey with an I. Com. And by the way, not all technology is bad. As I said, double-edged sword. Look at, we have self-publishing now. Look at Patricia, what happened with the woke publisher. I've known many 
authors that have come here saying, thank goodness for being self-published because now I can sell the books myself. I understand they have distribution channels, but if they cut you off, you still have a way to print your book, whether it's ebook or printed, and there are ways to do that these days. Patricia, always, always a pleasure to have you on. It's always a great download, a great conversation, and, you know, let's do it again in the future. It's the same for me, Mel. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. And anytime you invite me, I will be there. Thank you so much. All the best with your work. All the best to you, too. Take care. Good night. You, too. Good Bye. Bye-bye. And that was Patricia Corey with another great discussion brought to us by you, very Veritas member. Thank you for paving your truth journey another week. And tonight, I'll leave you with a quote by Euripides. No man on earth is truly free. All are slaves of money or necessity, public opinion or fear of prosecution, forces each one against his conscience to conform. Thanks for listening. I'm Mel Hostelwick. Until next week, be well. <laughs>